It is 7.45 on a Saturday morning. Time for another wine chat with our friend Jack Farrow from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Nice day, 74 degrees. Going to be a beautiful day. Indeed. Beautiful day. Today I thought I would chat a little bit about a friend came to visit me the other day who was from Auckland. And I thought, well, we haven't talked about New Zealand wines in a very, very long time. You know, that's the newest wine-growing area in the entire world. In fact, they never had a commercial table winery until 1979. So that's only 40 years ago. And uh, what's happened in New Zealand in the past 40 years is totally incredible. Now, they did make wine in New Zealand. You know, New Zealand was pretty much uh, full of blue-collar immigrants from the British Isles. And they and a few from the Dalmatian coast, and the ones from the Dalmatian coast, the Croatians, etc., brought vine growing techniques with them, but they were for their own consumption. All the wine that was commercially produced in New Zealand was immigrating or imitating the mother country, and was ports and sherries, fortified wines. Table wine just wasn't in their plans at all. And this new corner in the world of wine is a wonderful example of how the world of wine has changed so very much in the last 40 years. Uh, uh, As I said, the early pioneers in in New Zealand grew a little wine for their own consumption, and any commercial winery was just to make fortified wines uh, for uh, port, sherry, uh, Madeira-type wines. And the incredible increase is they have about today over 100,000 acres in those two islands, the North Island and South Island, of vineyards. And to show you how important Sauvignon Blanc is, 65,000, or in other words, 65% of all the plantings in New Zealand are Sauvignon Blanc. And New Zealand's a wonderful place, incidentally, to visit. Uh, Whether you go and see Milford Sound or you have lunch atop a glacier, you uh, take a helicopter ride to see the wonderful red deer gamboling down hills, uh, water rafting, hiking, etc. Uh, New Zealand has become a great tourist destination and is a wonderful place to visit. The people themselves are so friendly. The food is good. And today, the wine is a very big, big attraction. Uh, and, you know, they don't just grow Sauvignon Blanc. They have all sorts of wines there. Uh and, but they, again, there had to be a change in the people. And what really was a, two of the biggest changes were uh, the UK going into the common market, uh, where all of a sudden New Zealand dairy and meat products weren't so essential in Britain, and they had to look for other things to export to the mother country. And wine was something that was exploding in the late seventies uh, around the globe, and the New Zealanders took advantage of it. Plus, they were transforming from this dairy society uh, to producing more wines. And, of course, it comes in very handy in a dairy. You have lots of stainless steel tanks. In a winery, you have lots of stainless steel tanks. And so the transition wasn't all that terribly difficult to do. Uh, The first winery, as I said, was produced Sauvignon Blanc and was in 1979. It's just incredible. And then things didn't really get perking along until 1985 when they declared Cloudy Bay the best Sauvignon Blanc in the world, 
beating out even the great wines of Sancerre for the, the Sauvignon Blanc title. And like so many things, because it took worldwide recognition uh, for the wine's quality, then all of a sudden the New Zealanders or the Kiwis jumped on board and decided that they could make great wine there. And, of course, Cloudy Bay is a great vineyard, and it's owned by Louis Vuitton, uh, which is perhaps the largest luxury goods producer in the entire world. And it speaks very highly of the New Zealand wine industry that uh, Louis Vuitton, Mouton, Hennessy, they own all of those famous brands, would have bought Cloudy Bay to add to their portfolio as they consider it one of the finest wines in the world. And if you get a chance to try it, I would say try it. It's not terribly expensive. It's about $35 a bottle. But Cloudy Bay is certainly the holy grail to many people of Sauvignon Blanc in the world. The climate in New Zealand it calls for lots of cool nights. It's a maritime climate. In other words, it's warmed by the currents in the Pacific Ocean, and cool at night, warm during the day. And the vines love that. With those cool nights, wines develop high acidity. And that is the reason Sauvignon Blanc is so very, very popular in New Zealand, uh, because of its high acidity, nice balance, and above all, very, very good fruit. The climate and the soils are just really wonderful for growing grape vines and predominantly white grapevines, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, Pinot Gris. Uh, they grow a few other things. They monkey around with Chenin Blanc, etc. But there's nothing really like their Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, in my opinion, it is truly one of the best in the entire world and uh, worth seeking out. And, you know, the New Zealanders, or the Kiwis again, were very, very much responsible for the introduction of the screw cap, uh, Virtually all the wines produced in New Zealand, over 95%, are produced with screw caps. And even the very most expensive, like Cloudy Bay, have a screw cap on them because uh, they, they firmly believe that it's better than cork. And, you know, who's to disagree with them? I don't think a wine with a screw cap will age as well as a wine with a cork in it, but that's one man's opinion. And certainly, I think that the screw cap has become widely acceptable by everybody in the wine world today. And at one time, it was considered, uh, if you had a screw cap on, it was a cheap wine. Uh, that's no longer true. Uh, the best wines, a lot of them have stellar uh, closures or screw caps on the top. And they experiment with other uh, caps, too. Uh, and the New Zealanders are really very, very partial to the screw cap. And as I said, 95% of their wines have that. What's getting a lot of notice today in New Zealand are the red wines. Because New Zealand is full of all these wine-growing areas, there's at least 13 different wine-growing areas in New Zealand, uh, Marlborough being the number one. Uh, most of the uh, Sauvignon Blanc is grown in Marlborough, but also in Marlborough, they're experimenting now with Pinot Noir, and they get a very, very luscious Pinot Noir in New Zealand. Uh, the uh, low sunshine uh, uh, brings good fruit, and uh, 
because of low sunshine, red vines were discouraged for a long, long time. And now that's changing because so many people are able to produce very good Pinot Noir. They produce other uh, types of wine there, too. Syrah comes to mind, and also uh, Cabernet and Merlot. However, where they really do shine is Pinot Noir, because Pinot Noir loves those cool nights and warm days. And they do have that, particularly in Marlborough, where they're coming out with some very fruit-forward, delicious Pinot Noirs from New Zealand. And you can also, of course, get New Zealand Riesling, uh, which is on the wane. But if you can imagine that New Zealand, since uh, in the last 15 years, the wine production has gone up fivefold, five times. The wine production today is five times what it was just 15 years ago. And that's remarkable growth. And it attests the quality, in my opinion, of New Zealand's wines uh, and, and the thirst of the entire world. The largest consumer of New Zealand wines in the world is the United States, uh, followed by Great Britain and then Canada. And China is a looming new market for uh, all the wonderful wines that they are able to produce in New Zealand. Um, and if you go there, you know, you stay in these different lodges in the countryside, which are just wonderful. And as I said, you can go to uh, Milburn Sound, which is a, a fabulous fjord with wonderful waterfalls, waterfalls cascading into the sea and teams of otters and seals and all sorts of wonderful wildlife that you see, or you can go and arrange a wine picnic atop a glacier uh, that they'll take you by helicopter to. I mean, there's so many wonderful adventures, water rafting, hiking, etc., are all things that you can do in your visit uh, to New Zealand. And as I said, the wines always generate pretty good food, and in wine country you get pretty good food. They just go well together. So as you visit New Zealand, if you have the opportunity to go there, and I trust many of you will, uh, it's certainly worth the visit. The the countryside is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. The people are absolutely charming, and the wines are certainly worth seeking out. And uh, whether your favorite is Silver Beach, which happens to be my favorite uh, Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, it's a wonderful wine, and it's not expensive, and that's a good thing about New Zealand wines. Most of them are under $12, and you can, can't go wrong with them. Uh, there's a wine from New Zealand called Kim Crawford, and he was one of the pioneers uh, of the Stellan Cap. And as a matter of fact, at his vineyard once, I had a tinned wine. We were trying to avoid cork wines by not use, putting corks in the bottle, and that cork wine means it's picked up a taint from the cork. Uh, once in a while, it's hard. fortunately, a lot of people don't recognize it. What it makes the wine smell like is damp cardboard. If you smell that, the wine is corked. And anyhow, the Stellan's closure, the screw cap, the little cork that's put on the inside of the bottle cap, had moved slightly. And the wine tasted a little bit like you'd smell if you opened a tin can. And so we coined the expression tinned wine. <laughs> and uh, and never had it since, and I hope I never have it again. It wasn't that good, but it was interesting. And like I say, if you ever get the opportunity, go to New Zealand. It's a fabulous country, and it's a fabulous wine-producing area, even though it's a relatively 
newcomer to the wine scene. You know, some of the wines we talk about have been growing, areas have been growing wine for 3,000 years. 40 years in, on that scale of 3,040 is a very, very short window. And in that short window, uh, the Kiwis have come to dominate at least one category, and that's Sauvignon Blanc. About that. I know we have to run, Jack, but uh, so I wanted to ask you, before we do uh, go, uh, someone gave me, and I, I, it may have been Charlie, years ago, a gift from Haskell's, and I found it in the basement, uh, buried in a nice wooden box. It was called, you can tell me what it is, please. Uh, I think it's Calvados? What, called what? Calvados? Oh, Calvados. Calvados, that's okay. apple brandy. Oh, that's and what that is. is. Awesome. It, when you take a sip of it, it's like a thousand apples popped right in your mouth. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, we used to get a, a Calvados from Jean Donflu, who since died and family sold the business. But it was uh, assigned to Eisenhower. You know, Calvados is in Normandy, and that's where it's made. And Eisenhower, because he uh, salvaged and saved that whole area of France, they gave him five cases annually. And when Eisenhower died, they asked Haskells if we wanted the five cases, which we took and had for 20, 25 wow. years. And it was wonderful, wonderful brandy. Apple brandy, Calvados. And it is absolutely worth seeking out. Believe me, uh, it is absolutely a delightful eau de vie. All right, I know what I'll be testing tonight. Uh, Jack, tell us all about that family-run business. Indeed. The folks at Haskell's for 85 years have been supplying the spirits needs of the Twin Cities community. That's why we're called the wine people. We travel and scour the world to find the very best wines for our clients here in Minnesota. And there's a Haskell's near you where you can enjoy that huge selection and special service. There's Haskell's in Bloomington, Shanhassen. Haskell's in Excelsior, right at the Excelsior Dock. You'll find a Haskell's in Fairbolt, right off of 35. Our super seller in Maple Grove is not to be missed. Haskell's in downtown Minneapolis has free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com, and it'll take you right to our summer catalog where you can peruse some of the great wines of the world. And don't forget, we do deliver. Excellent, Jack. Let's talk next week. I'm going to look forward to it, Danny. Thank you. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.